Today, we are celebrating. For today is February 14th, Valentine's Day. Men, did you remember to get your wife something special? It's also special because we are looking into the book of Ephesians, and we start with a great passage. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Chosen and blessed. And our main thought today is that God has chosen us to be followers and blessed us with incredible riches. He was quite small for his age, but he loved football and eagerly waited for the opportunity to play. But first he had to be picked to play on that Sandlot team. Every time his neighborhood friends got called, he knew the pain, the pain of waiting to be chosen. He also knew from past experience the pain of being chosen last. Even years later, he can still recall the nervous tension that built up as each player was picked and the bench became smaller and smaller. Finally, he was picked last by the unfortunate captain who had the last pick. Have you ever experienced pain and embarrassment in your life? Well, I have. For that was my story. Chosen last for the crime of being too small, too slow. From my earliest years, I dreamed of playing professional football. I can recall vividly my 10th Christmas when I received a box containing a football helmet, jersey, shoulder pads, kicking tee, and a football, all with my favorite football team's colors. Wow, I was so excited. I would play for hours on my front yard alone kicking the ball to myself, even punting it, throwing passes. Oh, I remember it. I so wanted to play one day for a professional team. In fact, I, I mastered the art of playing complete games by myself. And, and you know what was amazing? I always caught the touchdown pass at the end of the game. Now, I have to tell you, I was heartbreaking at age, uh, heartbroken at age 15, when I had to give up my dream. Why? Well, because I was only four foot 11 and 120 pounds when I graduated high school. There just was no call for players that size or that slow, especially when nobody seemed to want you on their team. But God used those rejections in my life the Apostle Paul speaks immediately at the beginning of Ephesians about being chosen by God. And, and that was my story. Age 16, God called me to ministry, and I surrendered my life to Him to follow His ways. And that dream that I had of becoming a professional football player, oh, it faded so quickly. Why does Paul talk about being chosen by God? Well, I believe because 
When we recognize that we are chosen by God, that's where our journey of faith begins. On God's playing field, He doesn't choose those who are the most talented and skilled first and leave the dregs for last. In fact, verse 4 tells us that He chose us before He even created the world. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Some would place God in the category of coaches who instinctively leave some off the roster, never choosing them. Some believe God arbitrarily picks who he wants to join him in heaven while damning all others to hell. And this doctrine is wrapped up into a nice package and entitled Calvinism. But I've never met one Calvinist yet who thinks that they weren't chosen by God. The argument goes that we all deserve hell because we have sinned, so any that God chooses to save is a great testament of His grace. Now, I want to admit publicly that I don't understand fully the balance between God's sovereignty and His free will. I don't have all the answers. I also say that some verses seem to exclude our free will in the equation. But what do you do with the other verses, like Romans 10.9, that all who call on the name of God will be saved, or Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. I also, also certainly don't agree with the Arminianist position that we get to heaven based on our good works. So what do we do with Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul tells us no less than four times that we are chosen by God. I personally believe God did choose us. In fact, I believe John 3, 17 and 18 answers this. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him. But anyone who believes not has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. God chose all mankind to be His, but He gives us the choice to believe or reject Him. A while back, a Calvinist friend and I were discussing this, and I told him I might believe Calvinism if he could answer me but one question. He accepted my challenge and asked, okay, what's the question? And I said, if God is the righteous judge that Scripture says that He is and that I believe that He is, then how could He condemn many to hell while saving a few who committed the same crimes. Would we accept this on earth? In fact, would we even call the judge a righteous judge for the same crimes? If he condemned one person to life in prison and set a second person free for the exact same crime, well, I don't believe we would. So quite simply, I believe that God chose us just as He chose those who refuse Him and won't follow Him.
After all, didn't he say that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life? We have a choice. As Revelation 3.20 teaches, Here I am, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Simply put, we have to open the door. When we accept his salvation, he has blessings for us, according to Ephesians chapter 1. What are these blessings? Well, I want to begin by saying this morning, they are numerous. So let's first look at our blessings from God the Father. Verse 4, he has chosen us. Don't think I need to say anything more about that. Secondly, he has adopted us. The Greek word for adoption to sonship is a legal term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male heir in Roman culture. In God's kingdom, women and men have equal footing in adoption. The New Testament states two separate forms and blessings of our adoption into God's family. First of all, we are adopted with full and immediate riches in Christ. In, in some countries, when children are adopted, they have to wait to claim their inheritance, but not so in God's family. Secondly, also one day, we will receive the adoption of our redeemed and glorified eternal bodies. Romans 8.23, and we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children including the new bodies he has promised us. What a great verse that is. When we're thinking about the blessings of God, thirdly, he has accepted us. First, he chose us. Secondly, he adopted us. And then in verse six, he accepted us. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Some translations read, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved, which literally means that God accepted us. A great New Testament analogy is where Paul writes in the book of Philemon, for Philemon to accept his runaway slave Onesimus back but not as a slave, but as a brother. Next, we see the blessings from God, the Son. What are those blessings from God, the Son? Well, first, He has redeemed us. Verse 7, what does redeem mean? It means to purchase and set free by paying a price. It's been said that there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire, and they were bought and sold like pieces of furniture. But a slave could be bought and set free, and he would truly be set free. 
This is what Christ did by paying for our salvation by his own blood. He set us free from the bondage of our sin. He bought us back from the clutches of Satan. John 8, 36 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Second blessing from God the Son is that He has forgiven us. The second part of verse 7. The word forgiven means to carry away. It reminds us of the Day of Atonement when the high priest would take two goats. He would kill the one and sprinkle its blood on the mercy seat. But the other was called the scapegoat, and it would be sent out into the wilderness with the symbolism that our sin is carried away to be remembered no more. There's no written accusation that stands against those whose sin has been forgiven. Romans 8.1, there is now therefore no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, God the Son has revealed God's will to us in verses 8 to 10. He doesn't want us to be wandering and lost. He wants us to know His path. Sometimes that path isn't shown to us except a step ahead. But He wants us to to live in His will. And fourthly, God the Son has made us an inheritance But guess what? We also are an inheritance given by God the Father to His Son. Five times in John 17, Jesus refers to His followers as those whom God the Father had given to Him. We are God's inheritance. And then we come to verse 13, where we find the blessings from God, the Holy Spirit. And we're told, first of all, that He has sealed us. Verse 13, what is the significance of the sealing? It speaks of a finished transaction. When legal documents are processed, they are stamped with an official seal signifying the completion of the transaction. And I believe This refers to our security in salvation. It also implies ownership. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, We were bought with a price. We are gods, and that means we no longer do as we want with our own money, with our own bodies, with our own time, and with our own talent. For our time and talents and money and bodies are gods. It means security and protection. The Roman seal on Jesus' grave carried this meaning. It meant that the the tomb was secure and it was being protected. And finally, it was a mark of authenticity. Romans 8, 9 says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. We get all those things because the Holy Spirit has sealed us. Secondly, the Holy Spirit has given us an earnest. In other words, a guarantee. 
verse 14. The word earnest is amazing. In Paul's day, it meant the down payment to guarantee the final purchase of some commodity or piece of property. The Holy Spirit living in us is the down payment or first installment of our eternal life with God. While we believe that God has chosen and blessed us, we have freedom and power to live in his name. Do you truly believe that God has chosen you? That he has blessed you? If you do, you have freedom in his name. Think of it this way. It's like the last name Fonstock or Disher or Hamill are now the name Jehovah. Why? Because we are God's children. It's not Lenny Fonstock. It's Lenny Fonstock Jehovah. I'm a child of the King. We have all the rights and blessings of God. And I want to encourage you to reread this passage, Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14. And remind yourself of God's rich blessings, His goodness that He directed towards you. Why remember? Because remembering and living in God's blessings insulate us from fear and anxiety that is all around us today. God bless you. I trust that you are secure in His salvation. Thank you for joining us today.